what he's doing, what he was doing, more than anything else, is hollowing out a place for himself. Just like a mother will prepare a nursery for a coming child or a bird for a nest. He's sanctifying the ground in a place in our hearts that we will give him. For the coming services that he will take over the entire service in ways in which we've never known. The presence, and I hope you were able to experience it, that presence is more valuable to you than a thousand lessons up here. For him to be able, it is the rain on all your word, all your revelation, all of everything that you know him to be. It's the solvent, it's the anointing, it's what makes it all. It's the reality of going past theory into a place of presence. That's what revival is made out of, is presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He's still here. Please ask him, please, those of you who are watching and those that are here, I can't do this for you and I can't mandate it because there's no way for me to to do that because I don't have even if I tried it wouldn't work we don't know what revival looks like he's preparing a place the intensity of presence will magnify itself It doesn't matter if it was Brownsville, Azusa Street, the Hebrides, the Korean, the Layman Revival. It doesn't matter when it struck. It was beyond expectation. People just didn't know why everybody wanted to come when they didn't want to, when you had to drag them in before. They didn't know why the altars were filled when they weren't before. This is coming and he's hollowing out a place in our hearts for us to be able to say, are we willing or can we come to a place where we're asking him, Lord, help me to begin to provide for you that hallowed out place, that nest, that nursery that place where we say, my time is yours. What does that mean? There's going to be some services. There's going to be some extended services. Where you need to, you need to begin to, if, you, if you're not ready now, you need to be say, Lord, 
I'm a person who's real regimented. I, you know, I've got to do this at such and such a time, and I've got to, the service has got to be two hours or two and a half hours. You seem to blow all of that out of the water. And your time, you're going to have to learn how to submit to him. Telling you revivalists, don't buy some stuff that you got to go take care of. Don't buy a new place that you got to go. Don't invest in a new job or a new business or something new that you got that's going to take. I don't care if you can make more money for the kingdom. Forget it. I want, he wants you to go into a place. Well, I'm going to be, I don't care. He doesn't care. He wants you. And there's a place for making money. But Luke 14 is never ever going to be more tried in your life in the next few months. Than it, than, it, than it has in all of maybe, why do you say the next few months? I don't know why. I don't know why I said that. I just believe it's God. What's Luke 14? Every viable excuse necessary was given why they could not attend. I've bought a yoke of oxen. Must go prove them. I bought land. I must go see it. I've married a wife. I'm, those are all of every single excuse. The flesh will give. I know we've been after this for a while, and we've been saying God sent revival. I, I just, I, I hate, I hate to tell you, I may have led you into something you're not willing to do. I don't know. Uh, I hate to say that. But for us to fulfill this, it may be some services that last. You may not get your Sundays to go do your little, you know, do whatever. You may, you may lose your Sundays. You may lose certain days. Of the, life is going to change as we know it. Being in church and being part of this will be the most valuable thing. Schedule your life around it. Well, I got family coming in. Bring them to the church. If they don't want to come, let them sit at home. Show them the testimony that you're, you've got. No, I, that's, you're, le you're legalistic. I'm telling you what revival looks like. It's, it's all or nothing. It's our whole life. It's our life. It's just selling everything. It's the pearl, great price. It's everything. Well, my family expects me to be here at this appointment. Is it a, is it a church day? Yes. 
have them reschedule it, be here. Well, it's our anniversary. You don't have to celebrate it on the same day. <laughs> it's my birthday. What does it matter if it's celebrated three days later? It doesn't make it any more special. What are you trying to say? I'm saying we're going to have to sell out. And I'll tell you something else, too. I was amazed. I listened to the Sunday services and some of you know things that were going on in Tulsa, and it wasn't Gary that was even saying it was somebody else, but prophetically, and then Jim. It's like, my God, what are you? God was saying, you're not. You can't get away from getting together corporately and praying. And he kept saying, I don't care if you say I can do this at home. I'm telling you, God kept saying in other places, I'm asking you, I'm warning you. It was almost on a command level. You have to get together. Well, you have to show me that in Scripture, Acts chapter 2. Well, that was the, no, no, listen. I'm, I'm not making this up. I'm just, I'm just following as I go. It's going to have to be. Well, that's your job. You've got to do it. No, I, no, listen. My job as the shepherd is to bring you. I'm not your covering. He's your covering. I'm just, I bring you to the place. And Listen. If I'm not hearing this, if I'm not hearing this, may God judge me in these things. But I stand up here reproved in prayer to say these things. Revival is something we've never seen before. It is going to be so, it's going to be so glorious and so happy that any of the starch or the hard time of what I'm saying right now might be in your mind like, well, we're going to have to give it. You're not even going to miss a lot of things. It's going to be like a birthday party all day long. Christmas all every day, seeing people being born again and blind eyes. Listen, they don't even know why, hardly, that thousands all of a sudden started going to this church in Brownsville. And for years and years, it was thousands and thousands every night. It just, it just it was, a, those were blips. They were, you know, they were, so you've been listening to that? No, I, had, I hadn't even thought about that in it's just coming to me every single revival that ever started people could not explain why the money started coming in and the people started coming in and everything started it was like my god why was this not here 10 years ago because it finally came to a point where god could release it but i'm telling you those those blips those little short-lived revivals is the not is the reason why ours has taken so long getting here is because it's an everlasting. It's an everlasting. He's reproved us by the word. He's taken us to the power of the born-again nature and reproved our character time and time again. There's still much of us yet to die. There's still much of me yet to die. Much of me yet to die. Much of me, but comb 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 through once you've combed through once comb through twice comb through three or four not in your own mind but before him and say lord what excuses 
lay inside of me yet for the reasons why that I am not fully participating in everything that you've called me to do. It's presence. Jesus. Jesus stayed in that place of presence all the time he ministered out of it. And he was trying to share with Nicodemus, the Pharisee that came to him by night in John 3. He was sharing with him and he reintroduces him to the born again concept that he could not in no way understand. He said, I'm explaining things to you that you don't understand, though you're a leader. One thing he said incredible was, no man has ascended unto God except he that has come from God or come down. Even the Son of Man, talking about himself, which is in heaven. You, if you stupefy this, and I say stupefy because if you get weird, he was there. He literally was there on earth. His human spirit was there in his body talking to Nicodemus. But in all truth, Jesus said, the Son of, not, not Son of God, deity, but the Son of Man is in heaven, and what we think so often is, and I know that heaven, well, we get the idea that heaven is above us, and it, that's a possible truth, because we know that when Jesus broke the bread, he looked up and said, Father, and blessed it, and there were times where he would look up. So that possibility of heaven being above the earth is, is there but it's not that you get in a rocket. If we, had the, if we had the fastest rocket ship in the world, you can't get in a rocket ship and fly a billion light years and reach a planet called heaven. Heaven is here. The kingdom of God is within. The kingdom of heaven is within. And the kingdom of heaven is all around you. It is a dimension. It is a realm. It is a place where Jesus wasn't talking about in a weird sense, the word that there was a clone of him in a heaven, in heaven. He was saying that the same place where angels dwell continually and his father, his presence is at and the power of the Holy Spirit, that he was in that place. It's the same thing as Ephesians 2 verse 6. That we're seated together in him in heavenly places. You lack power of understanding when you think of yourself, and I often have in the past, and it sounds real preachy, like we're seated on a throne next to Christ. I, that sounds real good, but I, if I'm thinking, if I'm having to put myself in vision form and imagine that I'm on another planet seated with or seated in him is the word what it says in Ephesians not with him 
But if we're in him, we're with him, of course. But if I see myself, it's, that's, it takes away from the reality of the truth of what he really is saying. We really are in him in heavenly places. Heaven is a dimension, and the Father in his presence, which is the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit of the Father, causes us to rest in a place of his presence. This is where miracles takes place. This is where presence takes place among us. This is where the outpouring takes place. If we begin to go to a place in him where the reality is, as Jesus said, even the Son of Man who is in heaven, I'm in that place. I'm talking to you. Even my spirit is here physically in my body talking to you, but it's still engulfed continually. It's in a heavenly place with my Father. I move with my Father. I hear from my Father. He's right next to me. The Holy Ghost is, is continually speaking to me. Angels, he said to Nathaniel, hereafter you shall see heaven open and angels ascending and descending. I don't know if Nathaniel actually saw a vision. He saw plenty of angelic activity everywhere that Jesus went because they were providing the essence. <laughs> the disciples fed from his hands. The 5,000 and the 4,000. How many angels do you think were among that crowd? If the disciples thought they did a good job that day, they had no idea how much help the wall of Babel has fallen. How much help they had by angels. This revival will be attended to by angels and angels' presence and, and God's presence as we're in his presence, even as the Son of Man is in heaven or seated. Jesus, John 14, 2, I go away to prepare for you a mansion, a place in my Father. Or if I go away, I will come again that I may receive you. Listen, King James had a tough time with the word dwelling. It's a dwelling. I'm sorry this bothers you, but there is absolutely no such place in heaven for you as a material mansion. I wouldn't even want to live in one of them by myself. He said, when we get there in that eternal place, we will be other angels will not be given, will not be given in marriage, will not marry or be given in marriage. In other words, there won't be housekeeping, there won't be family as we know it. For God's sake, some people would have God, God himself would have a, he who cannot come to confusion would be tempted with confusion by trying to match up which wife or which husband out of multitudes. That's why he just erased the whole thing. The place he prepared for us, that place has been prepared. It's in the heart of the Father. Hebrews, the book of Hebrews tells us when he ascended 
that he went into that holies, that holy place, bringing his own blood. And that place that we have in the Father was given, prepared for us. We have not even touched the tip of the iceberg of the presence that is available for us in this revival. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. He said, grace is provided for you because you've never been here nor seen this. That grace will take you from one level of grace to the next level of grace. And what you don't know if you can sacrifice today, then you'll be more than willing if you lay down what you are asked of today, says the Spirit of Grace. Make room for me in your services. But more importantly, make room for me in your life, says the Lord. Let every, dis let every decision, every opportunity, and even every promotion be accepted or not accepted based upon your availability to me. As I have told you before in the past, I say to you again, you are my hope. You are my starry night, as I gave to Abraham. You are my sands of the desert and of the sea that I gave to him to visualize. Oftentimes, I turn to my son and speak of you to him in regards to the hope that I have in you, says the Spirit of Grace. As a father, I'm counting on you. As a Lord speaking from heaven, as Jesus, I'm counting on you. I'm calling you for more and more sacrifice in your life. Create inside of yourself that place of willingness by spending time in my presence, says the Spirit of Grace. Presence will 
No, it's me speaking now. Presence will transform you to a place of willingness like you can't imagine. This is why worship is so important. This is why private worship is so important. Please, please, I beg of you, as he begs of you in a certain sense, give yourself to it. Make every opportunity. If you need help, if you need help in worship music, for God's sake, don't feel condemned. Pull in some quiet worship music. Pull in something. Do whatever helps you. Do whatever helps you. There's no right or wrong or legalism. It's just taking your spirit to a place where it begins to receive. Later, you may develop to where you feel like you don't need that. Spend time with him. We've been over the last few weeks. We didn't go into this week. Go into every practical way possible. You know, we've been going into practical ways to, to go into him. And it's helped people. People have contacted me and said, we've really enjoyed the services on the how-tos. Well, none of us have arrived. You could probably tell me some things where I'd say, wow, that is a really God idea. Not a good idea, but a God idea to help stay more focused. But do those things that we've been saying I like to do my prayer time early. That way I'm not, my day doesn't consume me. I like to get my worship in to start with. I am not the prototype that you have to follow. You have to follow Jesus. I'm just telling you. Somebody said, they uh, said to me the other day, they were asking questions and I was on a video call with them. They said, the one thing I could ask you, and I said, sure. And it was a very practical question, but it was a good. They said, I have at times, they were really serious about going in. Real serious. To worship. And they said, I have a hard time falling asleep when and I'm worshiping. What do I do? Can you, can you help me? I said, well, <laughs> drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Although I do start, I know some of you can't. No, it's not. Some of you, your bodies, I, I wish that wasn't the case. You know, it helps me. It never has made me nervous. It, never, it doesn't give me a headache. It does help wake me up some. But it, that doesn't matter. That's beside the point. Here's some practical. I, I, this is what I told that person. I said, one thing, like, say, for instance, if I've, of course, I've been sleeping all night, six, eight hours. Then you get up, and then you go in, and, you know, somebody said, well, I don't drink coffee, or I'll drink a, some water or juice or whatever. I mean, just you start the morning, you sit down. Uh, you may have a couple things to do. Everybody, of course, you know, has to use the restroom early. You sit down, and you start worshiping. The problem is, and I've found this through years, and I'm just helping. I'm trying to help. If it doesn't help, then you don't have to. I found out that because your body has been at rest, if you don't wake it up, it will want to go right back to rest. And worship can be a very, it can be monotonous, and it can be sedative. 
it can sedate you because it can be very peaceful. So what I want to do is I want to wake my body up. So what I will do is I'll, I've got a spot in the living room, and, of course, my worship is kind of in the dark because um, it's light out. It's night out. You know, it's early. So if I just sit down and then start worshiping, chances are in a little while I'm going I'm to go because my body's been at rest, and it's so it doesn't take long. Uh, I just go over and I begin to wake my body up. How do you do that? I begin to stretch. This, this may not sound real spiritual, but it'll help you. You know, I begin to stretch and stretch and do all kind of... Then I get down on the floor. Now, that some of you women might say, well, I can't do that. I do, some, I do multiple push-ups. Uh, I'll do stretching. You know, you, just for 10 minutes, your blood starts pumping. You wake up. Your body comes awake. And so, and then if I'm going to sit there for three, two or three hours or four hours and I'm not trying to show off, I'm just saying if I have an extended prayer time, I will watch the clock and about every hour I get up and do those same calisthenics. You know, mine might be different than yours, but I'll push-ups and, you know, all kinds of stretching and leg bends and everything and that doesn't take five, ten minutes, but it gets your body woke up. You want to keep your body woke up if you sit in one spot saying the same. Th unless you have a real spiritual experience, a lot of times I'll have that where it, it'll wake you up. <laughs> but otherwise, you have to wake your body up. You have to wake. And through the day, if you're a prayer a day, during the day, you need to get up and walk some. Walking's okay. You can walk uh, back and forth in a room, uh, you know, um, I'll have some of you ladies all muscular in about six months. <laughs> You've been to the gym? No, I've just been, <laughs> just been praying. <laughs> but stay at it. That's the main thing. And I will say this, not as someone that has arrived, but as someone that has had an experience with this through the years. Now, it's been going on several years that I've been in private worship extended private worship a lot of times and some of my biggest breakthroughs in private worship has been and I, I say this for everybody who's had a problem and I think across the board if you've ever spent a, a, an extended amount of time trying to break into private worship to where, you know, what's the goal? Usually in our minds, we think the goal is, the pay dirt is usually presence, tangible presence where, that we can feel. And I wouldn't disagree with that at all, except to say, to reiterate what Pastor Dave has said many times before, that more is being done sometimes in dryness than it is in wet, but... I, I do believe this. I do believe with all my heart he gets joy in you feeling his presence. I really believe that. I mean, why have mega, you're God, mega, there's no way to describe this. I'll, this will be an indifference to his description. Mega presence, ability of presence, and not share just a bit with me. Or just his joy would be to flood me so much so 
that I just... We're going to have to learn how to be drunk and sober at the, time, at the same time. He wants to actually get us spiritually drunk, not in public. In public, we're supposed to be very sober and very deliberate with our, with our power, our power surges. He's going to learn how, we're going to learn how to go from drunkards in the spirit to be, being very, how to carry our liquor, <laughs> if you want to say it like that. But this is what I wanted to say. I have come to frustrations before to where no presence, no presence. It's like, but I wanted him more than I wanted to stop. And it's at times the exasperation like I don't know I don't I don't know how to get there I just it seemed like many times just on the other side of my limit when I was so exasperated like now some of you are like I don't know that I want to even try this yes you do because some of you have already been to exasperated places where you just felt like I, I don't know maybe Maybe, maybe they're exaggerating when they talk about his presence coming. You know, people that will, maybe Pastor Bronx exaggerating when he talks about those glorious times in his presence. Maybe Dave was, maybe others. Maybe it's just never, ever quite as wonderful. It's beyond, and I haven't even touched it. I haven't even touched it. But when some of my greatest breakthroughs were like, I don't even, I don't even know how to do this, but I'm not going to stop. It was like my spirit went into intercession, and somehow he touched that weakness inside of me that had no ability to go to a place where I was wanting to go, and there would be presence. And I was like, where have you been? The secret, and I don't know how, I don't know how to tell you to do this, except you have to experience is yieldedness. You have to come to a place where you yield. And that only can be as you sit in his presence. I'm not saying it takes hours. Maybe you can do it in five minutes. I've talked about how Dad Hagen said he got to a place where he learned how to transition into that almost immediately. I believe Pastor Dave did that too. It's learned habit. It's learned habit, learned habit, learned habit. So it's not always going to be like it is presently for, for you, for you that are watching, for you that are here. The other thing I would say is, and I hate to say this, but it's just downright truth. <laughs> A lot of people, because I say it about, I've got to say it because it's, I've seen it about myself before concerning going in and staying. To, A lot of people are just downright lazy. There's a physical laziness and there's a spiritual laziness. Like, <laughs> I just don't, I'm not really into this. I'm not really, you know, I just really rather, you've got to set your mind 
the hardest hit that I ever got on the football field is when I was dragging one day and I just wanted to, I wanted the practice to be over. You heard me, all, I, I, I don't even remember hardly anything about the couple of years I played except that hit that day. <laughs> I was a freshman or a sophomore and the coach saw me just dragging and he pulled me over and he put me in front of big Jim Bailey and he was a senior and he was like the biggest guy on the team and he said, when I blow the whistle, and he, and he basically told Jim, I want you to light him up. And I was like, oh, God, he's going to kill me. And we went head to head, and all I saw, I seen those little things that you see. They're little dots. <laughs> there's dots there, and there's dots there, and there's dots there. When we did sprints after that I was with everybody <laughs> uh, <laughs> it continues laziness of, of, of mind or spirit is part of the reason why and you just got to have a willing mind you got to say now, I will tell you this, if you engage, if you really engage and say, okay, I, part of me don't want to do this, they'll tell you most people don't get hurt on the football field if they give it 100%. You get a broke leg or a broke arm or a, if you're slacking. The same way, if you'll just go... Because it's amazing to me, if I sit down and say and to myself, now this is just practical advice, if I say, if I look at the clock and, and sometimes somebody says, well, I don't do that, it's not, it's le-. I have to discipline myself. I've still, after 25 years, I still have to, a lot of times I'll sit down and say, okay, it's such and such time for the next hour and a half or two hours, I'm just going to worship the Lord. If I tell myself, I am not stopping, I am not going to stop until I get done, it's like because I told myself that and I engaged and I refused to let my soul be lazy and just flop around, I, I'm going to give this my best, it goes by 10 times faster. If I'm of a, a lazy spirit or lazy soul, it's like don't, don't just fill a time slot with God. Don't just do that. Don't just say, well, I, you know, I killed some time with God. He's not interested in time. He's interested in you. Hallelujah. This prophecy, I'm not going to read it. It's on the back table. Receive it. That's what we have to do. We have to receive it. Pick one up when you're leaving. We love you. We appreciate you. Immokalee is in revival. Amen. I enjoyed that presence tonight, didn't you? Now that presence is going to turn into some awesome miracles. Some awesome miracles. I expect words of knowledge and gifts of healings and all those gifts to flow, but they're going to be flowing in a way that chapter 13, 1 Corinthians 13, beyond. Hallelujah. Which will be a more excellent way.
Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Hallelujah. Did you enjoy tonight? I just, you know, I just spoke out of my heart and just we sat in his presence. So, Father, we love you. We have no other course of action except to go into you. And, Father, we thank you for your grace. Hallelujah. So all you gospel entrepreneurs, he's called you. Keep at it. Just give it. Give, give him time first. Give him time first. That way he'll multiply your time so that you, you make all the, the money for the kingdom and, and whatever else he'll have you do. Hallelujah. We bless you tonight. And God bless you, those of you who are watching, if you, if you have anything that you want to give, um, you know how to do that. So, Father, we bless everybody here and everybody watching. Kingdom of God come and will of God be done over their lives and in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you.